Fired up, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, we're not allowed to technically call this a must-win for the 49ers coming up on Sunday, but for all intents and purposes, it is a must-win. And the reason we can't technically say so is because we just don't know how all the math will play out. Nobody will know until week 17. But using our best analytical judgment and our best judgment as far as predicting how things are going to play out, it certainly seems that the 49ers will have to win out to give themselves a very good chance to make the playoffs. Let's put it that way, because they're five and seven right now. Winning out over the final four games means that they'll finish nine and seven. And if you look at the standings, there's an extra playoff spot this year. Nine and seven probably gets the 49ers in. You're not sure and you can't be until week 17, but it probably does. So that means that after Monday's loss to Buffalo, Matt, it is win now time for the 49ers. Washington, Dallas, Arizona, and Seattle. That's the challenge in front of this team for the next month. And it starts with Washington coming to Arizona at the 49ers makeshift home in State Farm Stadium. This is a team with an excellent defensive line, a lot like the 49ers last year, a team that plays great defense, but one that, you know, has offensive limitations. And the 49ers might know this better than anybody since Alex Smith is their quarterback. A guy who was talented enough to be the number one pick, but was always more of a game manager. And uh, now he's coming off a, you know, miraculous recovery from a, a compound leg fracture, which is a story in and of itself. But the bottom line is that this, this is setting up to be a lower scoring challenge for the 49ers than Monday night. Yeah. And uh, this is a winnable game for the 49ers. They're pretty much in must-win territory. they got to win out these last four games. This one is winnable. So if you don't beat Washington, you might be technically uh, still alive for the playoffs, but I think everybody would agree that they probably don't deserve to make the playoffs in that regard. And the 49ers have some advantages in this game. They're the quote-unquote home team, so Washington is making a long trip uh, to the West to the mountain time zone as it as it is. They also played on, on Monday, so uh, Washington and the 49ers have a, have a short week. Washington had a really emotional win over the Steelers, handing Pittsburgh its first loss of the season. I feel like it's always easier to get up for a game after you've gotten your butt kicked, which is the 49ers situation versus coming off an emotional win. And then I think that Antonio Gibson, who's uh, Washington's best running back, or at least has been in recent weeks, is not going to be available for this game has a toe injury. So, you know, his replacements are are fine, but there's no one on that offense who's going to break you like uh, like a Josh Allen, a Stefan Diggs, a Cole Beasley did. Terry McLaurin, their uh, second-year receiver is really good. They've been getting some good games out of their tight end. But other than that, I mean, this is a team that you should hold to under, you know, 21 points. And uh, if that's the case, the 49ers ought to be able to muster up enough offense, Dennis, to come out with a win in this game. Yeah, and if you look at this Washington football team on paper, it makes you wonder. I mean, I think they've won three of their last five or something like that. Alex Smith is playing really well, but on paper, you know, they're at the bottom when it comes to NFL as far as yardage, passing, and all that stuff. So I think it's going to be a low Low scoring game. I think it's going to be an ugly game. But the 49ers have an opportunity. You know, even if Nick Mullins plays the way he did last week, you can win this football game. And on the defensive side, you got a you got an experienced quarterback in Alex Smith, a game manager. But he's he's a smart dude. I mean, he's he's been around the league. He understands defenses. And if you can't get after Alex Smith, he'll sit back in the pocket and he'll pick you apart because they do 
have a strong run game. And and you talked about Gibson being out with a turf toe or something like that. But McKissicks and uh, Barber are two good running backs for this team. And if Alex Smith has a running game, he has the ability to do, have a play action. He can really get after you. And he's a king of the check down. But you got to be you got to be able to execute on the field and you have to play great offense and not make mistakes as far as picks as Nick Mullins and Raheem Moster has to have a good game. So we'll talk about this defensive line and the secondary. The secondary is playing great because they've got a great uh, front four with their pass rush, especially on the perimeter, kind of like the 49ers were last season. So this is a winnable game. Same records coming in. It's a home game. You're not at home, but Washington does have to travel across the country. Great call comparing it to the 49ers. And I think this Washington team compares to two good and you know 49ers teams that competed in NFC championship games during the last decade. The first one is obvious. They've got five first-round draft picks on this Washington defensive line. And the most recent one was a number two overall pick at defensive end out of Ohio State. Obviously, that's where the 49ers picked Nick Bosa in 2019. Well, a year later, Washington grabbed Nick Bosa's teammate, Chase Young, defensive end, number two overall pick out of Ohio State. And the year before, they invested a first-round pick in a defensive end in Montez Sweat. Ryan Kerrigan, they used a 2011 first-round pick a long time ago, and he's 32, but he's still productive right now coming off the edge. On the inside, Washington used first-round picks in 2017 and 2018 on Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. So that's five first-round picks that have come to fruition for this Washington team here in 2020, and they're getting the job done, which should remind folks a lot of the 2019 49ers defensive line, which had so many first-round picks, I think it was six at the end of the day, that were contributing at big points of that season. I know there were a lot on the roster again for the 49ers here in 2020, but injuries have, have made you know some of those big names unavailable. Then the other parallel to me, Matt, and this is going to be probably something that you can comment on because you covered this team. Washington started two and seven, but they've won three in a row. They're now in first place in the NFC East. They're tied with the Giants. They're five and seven, same record as the 49ers. I see Washington as being like a poor man's version of the 2011 49ers at this point. I mean, you got a top five defense and you have an offense that, you know, it's ranked number 28 in DVOA, but that's the whole season. Kyle Shanahan pointed out that they're in the top 10 in a lot of categories over this winning streak. So I see, you know, Alex Smith was the quarterback of the 2011 49ers. It wasn't a great offense, but it got it done along with a great defense. I see Washington as a pared-down version of that 2011 49ers team, and I think all 49ers fans should uh, realize that that was a hard team to beat, those 2011 49ers. Yeah, and those 2011 49ers got better and better as the season went on. Remember, they were just a a very ordinary team until that week four game in Philadelphia when they they came back and Justin Smith had uh, the poke the big uh, forced fumble at the end of that game, and that really sent them on their way. I will say that this uh, Washington team doesn't have a Patrick Willis, and that 2011 49ers secondary was phenomenal. Hard-hitting, got a lot of takeaways, very well-coached. Uh, Ed Donatel was the uh, the DB's coach that year. He and Vic Fangio have been a duo ever since, and uh, those guys know how to coach up defensive backs. So I don't think that this Washington team is quite as talented but you're right, the arc is the same. And, you know, they've got another thing going for them, and they have real inspiration. Alex Smith is one story. Ron Rivera, their head coach, who's coaching this season, a COVID season. Washington has had 
all sorts of off the field issues uh, with the ownership. The team name is changing, all sorts of uh, lawsuits, sexual harassment allegations, this, that, and the other. And to add to that, Ron Rivera was diagnosed with cancer and he's battling cancer as this season goes on. He's been a real inspiration for this team. And and I think that this team, you can kind of sense it, uh, has internalized the inspiration that's coming down from Rivera, that's coming down from Alex Smith. I mean, if you're a rank-and-file player in mid-December who's saying, oh, you know, my legs are sore, I don't really want to get out there <laughs> and practice, and you've got Alex Smith on your team as your quarterback, a guy who came back from almost losing his life, much less his leg, going out there day in and day out, that tends to get you going. So I think that that Washington team has a little special something, which is another parallel, David, to 2011. Unfortunately for the 49ers, they've got to kind of combat that that sense that uh, perhaps Washington has, that they've, they've got something special. Dennis, I know that probably can take hold of a locker room. And if, if you believe in that inside that locker room, that's, uh, that's worth its weight in gold. You know, battling cancer is always something big. But when you have one of your brothers, Alex Smith, who went through what he went through, Alex Smith really could have just said, forget about football. I'm just going to take my disability and I'm going to take the money I've made throughout my career and I'm just going to enjoy my golden years. But no, he rehabs, he gets himself back into shape, he gets to camp, and now the guy is starting for your football team and he's winning football games. And that that's what really gives you inspiration uh, as an athlete or as a football player, he's one of the team leaders. You know, I, I don't know if he's got a C on his, uh, a captain C on his jersey, but definitely he is a captain of this football team. And I'm sure they use that to motivate themselves. And, you know, and when you have a defense, a defensive line like they have, and we saw all the energy last season, what a defensive line does to a team. And they've got some ballers on their team. And, you know, we've talked about them a little bit. Uh, but Sweat, I mean, he's got six sacks. Kerrigan's got five. This guy, Tim Settle's got five. And Chase Young's only got four. But if you watch Chase Young play, he's all over the football field. I mean, he is he is an athlete. I mean, he runs across the field. But he is a guy you can run directly at because he, he wants to get so much penetration. The tone is set with this defensive line. Uh, and it's going to be a challenge for the 49ers offensive line because this defensive line, they go and they make plays. I watched them play against Pittsburgh and they took over the football game and their secondary looked fantastic. They shut down some great Pittsburgh receivers just because of that pass rush. So that's going to be the challenge in the trenches like always. And, you know, Dennis, this 49ers offensive line, I actually got to write about it on Wednesday. It's, it's interesting because we know that pass blocking is not their forte. We know that they've been better run blocking. I mean, this this goes back to the start of the Shanahan era. It was especially apparent last year. It's it's why the 49ers love uh, to just get downhill, run the football. It's why they run the football so creatively because Kyle Shanahan wants to get these guys out in space. But there has been an issue against top tier, especially interior defensive linemen, and, and anchor down pass protection. And the numbers actually flesh that out. It, it was really interesting. They track, ESPN does, the best pass blocking uh, offensive line in football. The Packers are number one. The Browns are number two. The Cardinals surprisingly got a lot better this year. They're, num they're number three. And the Bills are number four. And then they track, this is next-gen stats, this is somebody else, but then they track how close a defensive line on average gets to an opposing quarterback. The 49ers have been closer to opposing quarterbacks on average in all of their games this season, except for the games against the Packers and the Bills. 
Those are two of the top four offensive lines in football. The Cardinals, the 49ers did fine in week one. They lost, but obviously they got more pressure in that game. But that was back when they had both Nick Bosa and D. Ford. After they've lost their edge rushers, the 49ers have been in a situation where they have not been able to you know, generate as much pressure against these opposing offensive lines. So we look at what Washington's defensive line is going to bring to the table, but I'm interested to see what the 49ers defensive line is going to be able to bring to the table against Washington offensive line that's not nearly as good as the Buffalo offensive line of the 49ers played last week. Will the 49ers be able to win this battle in the trenches starting on the defensive side? Because Matt, last week, they obviously didn't get it done. Yeah, and they've got some added obstacles this week. DJ Jones uh, missed Wednesday's practice with a, a sprained ankle. The good news there is that it's not an, a high ankle sprain. A high ankle sprain probably would have knocked uh, Jones out for the rest of the year, just like it, it did in that Saints game last year. So it's a, I guess, regular ankle sprain. But he didn't practice on Wednesday, which makes his uh, availability a little bit iffy. And then they have the additional issue of Kevin Givens. Givens, I've learned, is going to be on the uh, East Coast for the birth of his daughter, which in a normal year means would mean that the guy goes home, the child is born, he spends a few days, and then he's able to come back on Sunday and rejoin the team. This year, if Givens misses one day of COVID testing... It means that he's sort of treated like a um, an incoming player, a new player. So he has to go through a battery of COVID tests and test negative throughout, which uh, I believe means that he's ineligible already after having missed Wednesday's practice to play in Sunday's game. So Kevin Givens is one of the pleasant surprises, in my opinion, this season. He's really good at penetrating. He's, you know, sort of ideal for this this wide nine, up the field, aggressive philosophies, quick off the ball. But uh, he might not be there. DJ Jones might not be there. So all of a sudden, the 49ers have some issues on the edge, which they've had since week two. And they've got some issues in the middle. So defensive line, I'm starting to wonder, can Dennis Brown suit up and play, uh, I don't know, we, we probably need 15, 20 snaps from you, Dennis, on Sunday against uh, Washington. Well, you know, unfortunately, I only got probably two snaps in me. <laughs> and, you know, probably one in the beginning of the game and one at the end of the game. But, I mean, that's interesting you bring that up. Now, my question is, who, is that someone off the practice squad that they bring up? Because with no DJ Jones and no Kevin Givens... There is no third interior defensive lineman, is there? Well, Darian Daniels, undrafted rookie, he's sort of a more of a classic nose tackle type. When Jones missed that game against the Rams being on the COVID list, Daniels came in. I think he played, what was it, David, nine, nine snaps, ten snaps? Yeah, it, I think it wasn't it was nine, wasn't yeah. a lot. And it was sort of a, a mixed bag. Uh, he had he had one nice tackle. He got tossed around on another play. I mean, um, what you would expect from a rookie. But the 49ers do have some depth. It's on the practice squad, however, so it's not great depth. I mean, we're at a point in mid-December where when you're sticking guys in, they're going to be guys off the street or off your practice squad. So it's, it's it's not perfect. Yeah, and so that middle has been soft for the 49ers. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But I'm sure, you know, if I know that information, if you know that information, I'm sure... Washington knows that information. So they'll focus their attack in the middle. It's just going to be more stress on, you know, Fred Warner in the middle there and, and you know, what he can do as far as that, him and Dre Greenlaw. So it just fits into what the 49ers have kind of gone through this entire football season. It seems like week in and week out, there's another challenge. And these last, what what is it, four games? I think if, if you want to 
see yourself in a playoff position. I mean, you've got to go out and you got to win all these four games. So, and, and you can't lose or you're really going to be out of it mathematically. And this team has had challenges from, you know, from the first game of the season. And we'll see how they bounce back. How many bounce backs do this, does this team have? But this again, this is a team that you can get after. Alex Smith is not going to throw, you know, 35 points on the scoreboard. But this is a good offense with him in it because he knows how to manage it. He knows how to check down. And he's got a good run game. So if you can shut down the run and you can get after Alex Smith, you have a good chance of winning this football game. And I think the 49ers might be favored going into this game, correct? I would think they would be. They were also favored last week. I'm going to check that really quickly because I checked the line the other day. It wasn't up yet, and now it's San Francisco by three. So they are favored by three. It was interesting in, in the, the Buffalo game, it opened up as 49ers underdogs. It was Buffalo by one, and then oh, I guess all the money came in on the 49ers, and that one closed at something like 49ers by two. So you saw a three-point shift in the spread. You know, All the bettors were excited about the 49ers. The 49ers were excited about the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan, his quote, he said this after the game as well, but today he was even stronger with it. He said, there wasn't much in our minds that pictured us losing that game. That's just the way that we felt. So Kyle Shanahan said that the team meeting on Wednesday to start the week was longer than usual because he was showing so many clips from the game of what the 49ers did wrong just because there was such a sense of disappointment. Everybody thought they were going to go out there and, and beat Buffalo. And then obviously they, they went out there and they got stomped. I mean, it, it wasn't particularly close. It was just really a bucket of cold water on the 49ers' dreams there. Now, that was probably the remaining margin for error. I think you're exactly right. I think that it moves to true must-win territory now. Buffalo was that game where if you won, everybody, the hype train is back if you beat Buffalo and you're the 49ers. You have a chance to go 10-6. and six. I mean, then you're, you're talking about division title potentially if they would have beaten Buffalo because Seattle had lost, so that all of a sudden was in play. But that's essentially gone now. Now the 49ers are scratching and clawing and trying to get to that final wild card spot, and that's why I agree with you. I think they're probably going to have to win these final four games to do that. And, you know, let's, let's go back to, to the marquee matchup of this game. You have Washington's top five defense, Matt, against the 49ers offense. Against Buffalo, there were yards to be had. We expected there to be yards to be had. And the 49ers got those yards, but they didn't get the points in some crucial situations. I don't think there will be as many yards to be had in this game, but if the 49ers can be better efficiently at the hinge points of the game, you know, situational football, that's how they're going to win this game. So that puts a tremendous burden on Nick Mullins to not turn the ball over, don't fall start from the one-inch line, you know, stuff like that the 49ers have to do. They have to play a clean game because Washington is going to make them earn everything. Yeah, clean game. And, um, you know, the 49ers really haven't had a clean game in a long time, whether it's turnovers or, or penalties. There seems to be a couple of instances. I mean, the Contavious Street <laughs> penalty was just a killer against the Bills. You just can't have that in a narrow game. Like the 49ers are probably going to play from here on out. I don't want to say it has to be perfect. There can be mistakes here and there, but 49ers simply have had too many killer mistakes to be able to win these games. I do think that Mullins, Brandon Ayuk, I think that was a very nice connection against the Bills the other night, and it bodes well for the future because teams are going to come in, and, and obviously they're going to look at Nick Mullins, and they're going to say, okay, this guy's not going to beat us. We're going to stack the run. We're going to take away those outside runs by Raheem Mostert, 
We're going to take away the jet sweeps by Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, and we're going to make this kid, number four, beat us. And Mullins had two deep throws to Ayuk against the Bills. One of them drew a pass interference that basically flipped the entire field to begin the game and sort of in a roundabout way led to the the team's first touchdown of, of the night, which was that short pass to Ayuk. And then there was a, uh, a deep ball in the second half. And David, you helped me look this up. I mean, it, it traveled 54 or something like that yards in the air. It was the longest throw in terms of air yards for the 49ers this season. And it shows you what IU can do, what, what kind of his future is on this team. But that's also the play that they need to open things up, to loosen up the Washington defense for that run game. Because, Dennis, they're going to be crowding the box just like the Bills did. They're going to be crowding the line of scrimmage just like the Bills did and forcing Nick Mullins to have the answer. And Nick Mullins has shown it at times, and he's shown that he can be mistake-prone at times. And uh, obviously, he needs to be the former and not the latter in order to get these last four wins. You know, Nick Mullins has got so many weapons around him. And, and I think this this has to be a big game for Raheem Moster. You got to give him the ball more than you did last week. I don't know if he's on a he's on a short leash. He's got a, a, on a pitch count, but if he's still hurt, but he's got to get the ball in his hands. Even if they're going to stack the box, you got to get him stretched out. You got to get him running sideline to sideline. You got to let just Raheem go. Like that first series last week against the Bills. I mean, it, it looked like the old 49ers of last season. They just ran the ball down Buffalo's throat. And, and there's nothing they could do about it. It was five, six yards a pop. I think you need to feature him. If it's Jeff Wilson Jr., feature him. But you got to have this run game, and you got to let Nick Mullins you know, get the ball out to some of his playmakers. And, and another thing I thought about is this team just needs a spark. you know. And I think it can be, can be done on special teams. We saw last week when Brandon Ayuk kind of returned that punt. I mean, that was a little bit of a spark. And I think special teams could be a spark for this. We just haven't seen anything exciting special teams. And I wonder why he's not returning. Ayuk's not returning punts more often. Just just for field position, but gives the team a little bit of oomph as the offense goes on the football field. Well, the 49ers do need some oomph. They're going for, what, their fourth bounce back of the season now? If you look back, they... Lost to Arizona to start the season. That was after the crazy offseason, all the fires in California. The sky was orange that week. But then they bounced back, and they won a couple games in New York on the trip. Then they lost to Philadelphia and Miami, but they bounced back, and they beat the Rams and the Patriots. But then they, they went on another losing streak after that. And they bounced back with the win against the Rams, which was just a short while ago in L.A. So the you know problem for the 49ers hasn't been that they haven't been bouncing back. They've been bouncing back from this adversity, but then they haven't been able to string together success following the bounce back. So they need to make their fourth bounce back of the season now, and then they need to string it together for three games after that. The question is, do they have the capability to execute that? Again, I think it's... One week at a time, and here as I pivot to my prediction, I think they will do it for this week. I think we'll see bounce back number four. The rest of it's too TBD for me, but I look at this Washington team, and I see a team with a really good defense and an offense that isn't quite as good as the defense, and I look at a team like the Rams that the 49ers already beat with a quarterback who's just as immobile as Alex Smith and Jared Goff. And I say, this Washington team is just a worse version of the Rams. That's what I think. I think their defense is 
at about the same level as LA's, maybe a little bit better. But the offense is definitely worse than Sean McVay's offense. And the 49ers already beat the Rams, even with Nick Mullins, even without George Kittle. So I have to believe that the 49ers can can win this game. And I'm going to say they're going to win this game 24-17. to 17. Matt, what do you think? One thing you just said uh, made me realize just just how oddball this year is. We witnessed uh, the city of San Francisco turning orange this year, as you noted. And that's like the, the fifth oddest. <laughs> I mean, that's down the list on oddball things that, that are happening this year. I mean, that's just how crazy 2020 has been. But as far as predictions, Alex Smith used to get crucified here for being so safe, so cautious, so captain checked down. People couldn't wait for Alex Smith to get out of the building. Alex Smith is is a safe quarterback, but in a game like this, as we just just discussed, uh, as far as Nick Mullins, it's going to be the team that makes the the fewer number of mistakes. And Alex Smith doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Doesn't throw interceptions. Throws the ball in the dirt. Throws the ball out of out of bounds. Keeps the game close. Keeps his team within striking distance. And, and that's what basically Nick Mullins has to do in this game. I agree. I think the 49ers, they've been good after bad defeats usually this year. And they had a bad defeat against Buffalo. So I think that they're in a better position to win this. But it's it's a caveat. It's a, uh, you know, Mullins can't throw those over-the-middle picks. It can't be tip balls to, you know, on a throw to Kendrick Bourne that, that Jordan Reed tips in the air, that kind of thing. You can't have those mistakes in this game. It's going to be that narrow a margin. But I do think that the 49ers come out on top. Uh, it's going to be a pride. It's going to be a grit type of thing. I think it'll be an ugly score game. Uh, I'm going to go 22-20 to 20 in this one, Dennis. I've been wrong the entire season in these predictions and and I look at the 49ers and and I look at Nick Mullins and I look at Alex Smith I think you said it Alex Smith is not you know a flashy quarterback he's not going to kill you with his arms but he could kill you with his head I mean the way he sees a football game he's a manager but he's a safe guy and he's a smart guy I just can't see Nick Mullins not throwing at least two interceptions in a football game I don't see this 49ers offense holding up to this defense. I think this defense really gets after the 49ers, especially if they don't have a run game and it falls into Nick Mullins to make decisions, make plays, throw the ball down the field. I don't see it as as a big scoring game, a high scoring game or a shootout, but I do see Washington winning this football game. And, and, And another reason, you know, the 49ers are in Arizona. They're away from their support groups. All these guys are back in the hotel room after a loss. And they expected to win the football game. Now they get another week in Arizona away from their support staff, whatever it is. You know, their folks, their wives, their girlfriends, whatever it is. And they're sitting in the hotel room. And I think the energy level is going to be real down. So I'm going to say 21-17 Washington. Well, it's going to be interesting to see which version of the 49ers defense we see because it wasn't a good one on Monday night against Buffalo. But then again, Buffalo was a top-tier offensive line with a really good quarterback and weapons. So the 49ers hope that they can turn it around, and they're going to have to as the point that both of you made. This is this is crunch time for the 49ers, so we'll see if they can do it. Reminder, after every game, we record one of these podcasts, so the next morning, be sure to tune in, check it out, and then every Thursday, our midweek podcast drops. So make sure to check both of those out. Anyway, for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. This is Here's the Catch, your 49ers podcast.